0: Thank mm-hmm. you. back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 77 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick. The Rangers, of course, coming off of yesterday's solid 4-1 home victory against the Los Angeles Kings. It was kind of a weird game because the Rangers led one to nothing for virtually the entire contest. And I thought for a while the Kings did a decent job of kind of forcing the Rangers to play their brand of hockey. You know, this low-scoring, defense-first, grinded-out type of a hockey game last night but the rangers hung in there they had some good scoring opportunities and you got to tip your hat a little bit to jonathan quick i thought the rangers like i said they were up one nothing for a good portion of this game there were a couple of instances where they had a chance to make it two nothing and jonathan quick came up big for the kings and kind of kept them in it but yeah this was just kind of like a grind it out type game but we all know the rangers they can outscore teams right they can post you know a 5 to 3 victory on any given night it's also nice to see that they can win a game like this where you're kind of just dragged down into the mud with your opponent, and it's just the game's just a little bit of a slog, and you just got to fight your way through it and find a way to get two points, and the Rangers did just that. They beat a team that they absolutely should beat. The Los Angeles Kings are at the bottom of the Western Conference. It's a team that just cannot score goals, and really, they play a style where they're not really looking to score a lot of goals. They're looking to beat you 2-1 to one or 3-2 to two at the most, but... I can't talk for a second longer without mentioning Igor Shosturkin, because he, once again, absolutely fantastic for the Rangers last night. He stops 42 of 43 shots, and just another great game. I mean, what else is there to say? Shosturkin has now had six starts for the Rangers. They've all been in the garden, so we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute, too, because I find that interesting. But he was on top of his game last night, and really, he's been on top of his game all season, whether it's been with the Wolfpack or these six games at the Rangers— he has yet to have a poor performance for the Rangers. He has given them a chance in all six games that he has started, and the Rangers have won five of those games. And, you know, we've talked about how he's the goalie of the future. He is now the goalie of the present for this team. And it was another clutch performance for Shesterkin because, once again, it was one of those games where the Rangers had a very small lead. Shesterkin did not give up a goal until about midway through the third period, but the Rangers led one to nothing in this game. Great McKay opened the scoring 223 into the first period, and another goal was not scored until Capo Cackle lit the lamp, 920 into the third period. So for a good chunk of this game, the Rangers were up 1-0, and Shesterkin had to make a couple of really nice saves to keep it that way, and he did just that. He was fantastic, and it- He's got to be the Ranger goalie going forward. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute at the end of the episode. But the other piece of news that I wanted to share at the top of the show here is that Michael Haley is out indefinitely. He recently underwent bilateral core muscle surgery. So it sounds like it could be a season-ender for Haley. I I don't want to say that for sure. I mean, the Rangers have not said that, oh, he's definitely going to be out for the rest of the regular season. And, you know, Haley, it is what it is. You know, he's a fighter. He's kind of uh, the one of the last few players of kind of a dying breed in this league. There aren't too many guys when you look around this league who are out there just to fight. I think Michael Haley kind of fits that description, and you've got to uh, kind of tip your cap to him. He's 33 years old now, and he's kind of hung in this league by being willing to drop the gloves. I mean, that's kind of the reason why I think he sticks in this league. It certainly is not for his offensive prowess or anything like that. And, you know, for the Rangers— He's inactive more than he's active, and when he's out there, it's usually just against a team like the Islanders or somebody else who maybe the Rangers are expecting some trouble. But you do feel for the guy. I mean, he's having surgery, and he could be out for the rest of the season. So we'll see how it all shakes out. He is an impending free agent at the end of the season. I'm not so sure the Rangers would look to bring him back unless they just want to have a fighter on the roster and a guy that you can kind of plug in there on the fourth line against an opponent where you're thinking that there might be some trouble. But we'll see what happens there. First and foremost, just got to wish Michael Haley a speedy recovery. All the best to him. Uh, the effort's there. You know, again, he's not somebody that brings a lot to the table as far as offensive fireworks. I think that's obvious. But he's a guy who will go out there. He will stick up for his teammates. And he will fight when the occasion calls for it. So all the best to him. And for the Rangers, this is really a game that they had to have. I mean, we've talked a lot about these first eight games coming out of the All-Star break. You guys have heard me talk about it, where the Rangers are going to play seven of their first eight games. Coming out of the break against teams that are on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, that certainly applies to the Kings. Again, dead last in the Western Conference. They had lost 9 out of 10 games coming into this one, including a 3-0 loss in New Jersey the night prior. So, I mean, just given the fact, given how bad the Kings have been this season, given the awful streak that they're on right now, given the fact that they played the night before, given the fact that the Rangers are at home, this is an absolute must-win for the Blue Shirts. And again, they took care of business and... They are now 4-2 and two coming out of the All-Star break. They have won four out of these six games that we were talking about. This is also where the loss to the Buffalo Sabres is really a killer because they could be 5-1, and, and it was just kind of a, a lackluster performance against the Sabres, against a team that was really struggling. The Rangers really should have found a way to come out with two points there, and they could be 5-1, and one, but it is what it is, and this is a nice bounce-back performance here as well, and it's also just proof positive that there are no easy games in this league because for all the struggles the Kings have had, they... They were in this game. I mean, they had a chance, and again, they kind of dictated the terms to the Rangers a little bit, and they kind of forced the Rangers to play their game, this kind of grinded-out style of hockey here. But go to the first period, and Shesterkin makes a nice early save against Tyler Toffoli, and then there's a play. Jonathan Quick, one of his only miscues of the night, he misplays the puck behind his own net. It comes in front to Brett Howden. Howden dishes across to Greg McKaig, and McKay basically just has to shoot and score on the vacated net. And that's exactly what he does. And it's one to nothing, Rangers, less than three minutes into the action. The Kings do get a couple of shots at the equalizer here. Prokhorkin with a strong drive to the net, and he puts the puck just wide as he's falling to the ice. I mean, this missed the post by just a couple of inches there. And then on a second chance, Alec Martinez got to the puck, and it looked like Brady Shea uh, kind of got in the way and just kept the puck out of the net. So a nice recovery by Shea there. Uh, Prokhorkin had driven by him just a couple of seconds before that, but he recovers to kind of give Shesterkin a little bit of an assist there keeps the Kings off the scoreboard, and a few minutes after this, Shesterkin kicks out his left pad to make a nice save, and he just plays with a certain calmness that I really like. You know, it, it never seems like he gets overwhelmed by the situation. There were a couple instances in this game where there was kind of a, a wild scramble in front of the net and, you know, all, all this chaos, but he just kind of finds a way to, to stay calm and get on top of the puck, and it, that's good to see. You know, again, he's a young goalie he's playing on Broadway, he's only six games into his NHL career, and he just looks really cool, calm, and collected out there, especially for a young goalie, and a guy who's really being charged with the task, I mean, I don't even know if he's had time to stop and think about this, but he's going to be the replacement for Henrik Lundqvist, and I realize Lundqvist is still here, he's still on this team, he's still under contract for next season, but at some point, Shesterkin's going to be the man here, and he's obviously got some very, very big shoes to fill because at a certain point, I mean, Lundqvist, you know, he's 37, he's going to hang him up, and it's going to be Shesterkin going forward. It certainly seems that way. It certainly seems like Shesterkin is going to be the man going forward. And again, you know, he's just, he just seems to have a really good head on his shoulders with all these things. So yeah, great to see last night. Again, just very common net, very relaxed out there. And if you notice, there was an interview with him after a game, not this one, but the last time he played, and somebody kind of asked him, one of the reporters asked him, if, you know, he's starting to become more comfortable, you know, playing in the NHL and playing in New York. And he has his translator there and and she'll kind of step in and help him, you know, understand what the question means. But he does know some English. And with that one, he didn't even look to her. He just pretty much kind of shrugged and just said, hockey's fun. And he's right. You know, I mean, we can sit here, you know, whether it's me or any other member of the media, and we could talk about how there's all this pressure on him. But he probably doesn't look at it that way. I mean, this, this guy's been playing hockey his entire life. He's obviously been great at it, you know, no matter where he's played. And clearly he enjoys the game. And, you know, I, I think sometimes maybe we all do forget this is a game. And it, right now it just looks like Shesterkin's having fun out there. He's just doing what he does. And he's continuing his success that he's had every other place where he's ever played hockey. And he's just brought that with him to the NHL. Now, I don't expect him to put up the kind of video game numbers that he did in the KHL and the AHL. But this is a guy who's known nothing but success. And I think that's another, re- uh, that's another reason why Ranger fans should have a lot of confidence in him going forward. It's it's a goalie who has known nothing but success. There will be challenges along the way. I'm not saying he's going to stand on his head every single night and stop 42 out of 43 shots every single time he's on the ice. But again, this is a guy who does nothing but win. He does nothing but play great hockey between the pipes. So yeah, I, I think if you're a Ranger fan, you really have to like everything that you've seen so far from Igor Shesterkin. Want to talk for a minute about Philip DiGiuseppe as well. You know, He's now four game into his Rangers tenure here, and like a lot of you, I'm still kind of figuring out what kind of player he is. I try to keep an eye on him when he's on the ice. I mean, that's always kind of fun to do anytime you get a new player out there, and he, of course, picks up his first assist last night against the Kings. Now, I could have sworn, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I could have sworn DiGiuseppe had two assists in this game, but I'm looking at the box score now on a couple different websites, and they have him down for just one assist, so I don't know if there was like a scoring correction, but why are you going to do that to somebody? Why take the assist away? Because I believe his second assist came when Tony D'Angelo scored on the empty net. I thought he had the secondary assist on that. It went Giuseppe to Hedl, to D'Angelo to the empty net. Um, but for whatever reason, I'm not seeing an assist for Di Giuseppe on that play. But he does get the secondary assist on a goal by Capo Caco in the third period. And there was also a play here in the first period. He got control of a loose puck, kind of won a puck battle there. Makes an excellent pass across the top of the crease to Philip Heedle. And Heedle looks primed to score and make it 2 to nothing. But Jonathan Quick, just a better save. An outstanding stop here. He moves hard to his left to make just a fantastic left pad save. Just complete highway robbery on that one. But, I mean, the little we've seen of DiGiuseppe, you know, I think he looks all right. And that's reflected here. He's getting more ice time. And he was on the third line in this game alongside Heedle and Kako. And he's there on the third line in favor of guys like Brett Howden and Brendan Lemieux, who were both on the fourth line along with Greg McKaig. And so... Yeah, Zeppi, man, you know, he, he might be here to stay. He might really have kind of uh, carved out a niche for himself here and carved out a role for himself on this Ranger team going forward. You can see the skills. You know, when he has a puck, there's a certain uh, stick handling that he has. He has seems to have a very quick shot. I mean, again, this is somebody that was taken in the second round of the NHL draft back in 2012 by the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, he has played in 154 games in the NHL. That's basically all with with the Hurricanes. Uh, he played three games for the Nashville Predators last year, and now four games with the Rangers this year. But for the most part, he's been on the Canes. And in 154 games, just 14 goals and 28 assists. So, I mean, I think a lot of people, I mean, you hear that, and I, I hate to just call somebody a bust, but I mean, when you take somebody in the second round, you're certainly expecting a heck of a lot more than that. Now, with the Rangers, again, it's a small sample size, but I think the coaching staff is like what they've seen. I think we as fans have probably liked what we've seen. I know I have. You know, he seems engaged out there, and he's being rewarded with more playing time, like we said, in a move up to the third line. The other interesting thing, too, is, you know, Chris Kreider recently missed a game with the head injury, and rather than kind of shuffle the deck and move this guy here and that guy there and this guy up a line and this guy down a line, the Rangers just took D. and just stuck him on the first line alongside Zibanejad and Bucinavich. So it certainly would seem, and I believe that was his first game as well, so it certainly would seem that this coaching staff likes Di Giuseppe. And again, you know, moving up to the third line last night, even with everybody healthy, you know, he's on the third line instead of Lemieux or Howden. So fingers crossed, you know, maybe it's possible that the Rangers found a late bloomer here. I mean, he is just 26 years old. And again, I don't want to make too big a deal out of this because it's just four games with the Rangers and, you know, he's just got the one assist now, but... You know, he's got an opportunity here. There's an opportunity that's presented himself, and we'll see if, you know, maybe the Rangers keep him around next season as well. It's, again, it's too early to see, but Philip DiGiuseppe here, you know, after playing in the minors for a lot of the season, in a way, he's kind of fighting for his NHL life because up until, I mean, really for his whole career, he's been a career underachiever when you consider that he he was a second-round draft pick. So DiGiuseppe, if he wants to be on the Rangers next year, or at the very least on an NHL roster, then he's going to have to show something over the last couple months of this season here. And so far, so good. I think he has played well, and we'll see how the Rangers continue to deploy him looking forward. He is an intriguing player, and yeah, we'll just keep an eye on it. And fingers crossed that, like we said, you know, the Rangers found a late bloomer here. Earlier in the season, I was kind of referring to Ryan Strom as the Rangers' diamond in the rough because I I felt like he kind of came out of nowhere as well. Now, it's a little bit different with Strom. He's been in the league for a lot longer. He's done more than DiGiuseppe has even up to this season, and he was actually a former first-round draft pick. And so it's a little bit different with Strom, but Strom this year having just a career season, and he was somebody that the Rangers brought in via a trade The Ryan Spooner for Ryan Strome trade, it was just kind of a whatever, kind of lateral move, or at least that's what it seemed like when the Rangers did it, but Strome has been fantastic this year, and he's a guy that, you know, kind of came out of nowhere to become a good player for this team, and DiGiuseppe, again, it's early, I don't want to make too big a deal out of four games, but maybe this is another example of the Rangers just kind of finding somebody, finding somebody who maybe the rest of the league had kind of given up on or, or just didn't think that highly of, you know, maybe like Strom, people believe DiGiuseppe would just kind of be like a role player at best at the NHL, but we'll, we'll see what he comes up with going forward these next couple months for the Rangers. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Rangers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Ranger fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Ranger fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word "advertising" to three three seven seven seven, or visit slash advertising We look forward to hearing from you. So we go to the second period. The Rangers have a couple of chances to make it two to nothing again. You know they're creating a couple of chances, even though the Kings kind of tend to lull you to sleep a little bit. But there's a scramble in front of the LA net. Hede and DiGiuseppe were there. Nobody can put it home. Quick gets on top of it, but. Yeah, I mean, with the Kings, I mean, this, again, this is the game that they have to play because they really can't score goals. And so they kind of have to just drag you down into the mud with them and just try to beat you three to two or two to one. You're not going to see a lot of odd man rushes when you're playing the Kings. We didn't see a ton of those in this game. And Coach Quinn, even before this game, was talking about the matchup and the, the unique challenges that this presents. And he flat out said, We are not good at boring. And that's very true because the Rangers tend to be in high-scoring games and they tend to, uh, you know, take advantage of their speed. They tend to get some odd man rushes. They they have been fantastic on the power play, generating goals on the man advantage. But they do give up some goals as well. And every now and then you'll see them make a mistake in their own zone. But yeah, I mean, the Rangers, again, it it really is nice to see them be able to win a game like this where it's just a grind it out type of game where you're basically protecting a one-goal lead from start to finish speaking of the Ranger power play, I mean, the unit has just been on fire recently. They are up to sixth in the lead now at 23.6%. They only get one power play opportunity in this game and they do not score, but man, they had some chances. Zibanejad had a chance to bury a rebound from the doorstep, but Dowdy kind of put his body on him, broke up that chance, and then we get some nice passing here. Kreider to Zibanejad to Strom. Strom takes a shot from the right circle, but the save is made by Quick. This is a great power play, and yeah, they don't score, but there was some excellent puck movement here. They even had to win a couple of 50-50 pucks in the corner to kind of keep the pressure on and prevent the Kings from clearing and or getting a line change the Rangers had the puck in the LA zone for the first one minute and 30 seconds of this power play I really don't know how they didn't score but uh, they definitely got their chances they definitely continue to look good on the man advantage there was also an instance here where the Rangers late in this power play they have an offensive zone draw they win the faceoff back to Truba. Trouba just winds up and cranks a slap shot sends it just wide but the puck bounces back toward the crease and Pavel Buchnevich is there but he can't quite stuff the rebound home put it off the side of the net i'd like to see buchnevich finish on that but it's it's a tough play you know because he's got basically a millisecond to react there i mean he doesn't know that that puck's going to come right back to him and he kind of just put it off the side of the net just missed the post there so buchnevich coming within a couple of inches there of making it two to nothing Rangers get another chance. Panarin receives a pass, and he's got some room to operate here, moving in on the right face-off circle, basically just going straight to the net. Makes a couple of moves and kind of plays the waiting game a little bit and takes a wrist shot. But Jonathan Quick, again, you got to tip your cap. He gets a piece of it with his glove, deflects it away. And uh, Panarin coming into this game had gone four straight games without a goal. So I mean I I really hesitate to call that a slump. That's really not that long. But I guess when, when you look at what Panarin has done all season, and you look at just how good he has been, I suppose by Panarin standards that is a little bit of a slump. But he of course broke out of that in the third period. We'll get to that in just a second. But the Rangers go into the second intermission still up one to nothing. And I don't know how they didn't get a goal in the last seven minutes or so of this period because they had so many chances. They kind of broke free from the Kings' style of play. You know, again, for a while there, it was just very mundane, kind of just blah hockey. But the Rangers uh, eventually started to generate some scoring opportunities. I think the power play kind of got that going because, again, the Rangers did not score on that power play, but they got a lot of chances. And I think that kind of carried over even after the power play ended into the even strength portion of this period, you know, toward the end here. But uh, it was just a combination of. Not being able to finish, you know, Buchnevich had a chance in deep. He couldn't finish. Uh, Maybe just a little bit of unfortunate puck luck. And also, Jonathan Quick kind of turned back the the clock in this game and and turned in a really strong effort for the Kings, and he robbed the Rangers a couple of times, including Artemi Panarin here at the end of the second period. So we go to the third period, and again, I I know I keep bringing up this stat as well, but it bears repeating. The Rangers are 19-1-2 when they go into the third period with a lead, and that, of course, now improves to 21-2 because the Rangers held on for the victory here. Now, the Kings do get a power play early in the third period, but there aren't too many chances. Uh, Brett Howden. Brett Howden's really becoming a, a good penalty killer for the Rangers. He made a really nice play here near the blue line. Uh, delivered a check, and it's not like it was a vicious hit or anything, but it just kind of forced the puck out of the zone. So a nice play there by Brett Howden to stand up his man at the blue line, kind of an aggressive play and get the puck out of harm's way and back into the neutral zone. And then I got to talk about this. Uh, Mika Zibanejad almost came up with a goal that would have been in the conversation for goal of the year. And I don't really think I'm exaggerating here because when you look at what he did on this play, it was just unreal. He takes the puck into the Kings zone, and he basically fights his way through the entire Kings team and goes for the top shelf as he's falling down to the ice, but the puck bounces off the crossbar and stays out, but just a ridiculously strong drive to the net by Zibanejad. The thing that made this so impressive is he entered the Kings' zone pretty much all by himself. I mean, I didn't see another Ranger in the frame, and the Kings have three defenders there, and both of them put their body on Zibanejad. He's basically being knocked back and forth like a pinball here, and then he just keeps going. I mean, he he made a nice move as well to get around an initial defender, and then he's getting knocked back and forth by two other defenders, and then he's falling to the ice and somehow gets this shot away, and he beat Quick. I mean, Quick was not going to keep this puck out, but unfortunately, the puck hits off the crossbar, deflects back into play. So, yeah, man, we're talking a couple of inches there. If, if that shot goes in just, you know, maybe two inches lower, it's probably going to find the back of the net, and we've got a legitimate goal-of-the-year candidate here. Just a fantastic play by Mika Zibanejad. He continues to just be awesome. And for anyone who maybe wasn't convinced that Mika Zibanejad was a true bonafide superstar, I'd like to hear anyone make that case now that he's not. I mean, the guy is just fantastic night in and night out. He's an absolute magician with the puck. And, you know, here he, he shows he can play, you know, kind of the uh, the grinded out game as well. He can, he can bounce off of a couple of defenders and just keep going to the net. So Mika Zibanejad, again, just becoming a complete player. He's great in the penalty kill as well he's awesome. I mean, what else is there to say? The Rangers have two legitimate superstars on their team in Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad. And it's been a long time. Again, we've talked about this before. It's been a long time since they've had just one superstar on the team. I mean, Lundqvist, of course, but he's a goalie. It's kind of apples and oranges with, you know, skaters and goalies. And so, yeah, I mean, they now have two legitimate superstars, which is something that they didn't have even when they were making all those deep playoff runs, Everybody back then could score up and down the lineup, but there wasn't really the one or two guys who could offensively just kind of carry a team, and obviously there's two of them now. We've got Zibanejad and we've got Panarin, and, you know, again, as you go forward with this rebuild, those are the two guys to build around. Get guys who can work well with Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad, of which the Rangers have a few players even right now, but yeah, just continue to build around those guys, and I think the Rangers are going to be just great going forward with this rebuild. A uh, little bit of a tangent there, but want to also talk a little bit about this play. They're about a minute or two later after this Zibanejad near fantastic goal that he nearly scored. The Rangers go in on the rush. Hedl takes the puck behind the net. The puck goes to Di Giuseppe. Di Giuseppe gets it back to Heedle, and Hedl just does an outstanding job here. He wins an absolute battle for the puck behind the goal line. He dishes in front to Capo Caco, and Caco scores from the doorstep. Two to nothing Rangers about midway through the third. And again, that line played very well tonight. And, uh, you know, Hedl was the guy who really made this play happen because he brought the puck into the zone, went behind the net, and, of course, he lost control of the puck for a little bit. The puck moved around up the boards. Di Giuseppe got it back to him, and then Hedl with an excellent pass across the crease to Caco. And Kako taps it in right there from the doorstep, and it is two to nothing Rangers about midway through the third period. But the Kings do answer. Trevor Moore scores a goal with 9 13 remaining to make the score two to one, just about a minute and a half after the Rangers made it two to nothing. The Kings strike back here with a goal. And you know, it's hard to really kind of point fingers at anybody on this goal or even say for sure what went wrong, but I just didn't think there was enough resistance by the Rangers as a team here. They'd kind of just let the Kings get control of the puck, you know, they're behind the net, and just, you know, put the stick on the puck a little bit. You know, there, there were guys in position that I thought could have made a play. Brady Shea was there, Jacob Trouba was there, Brendan Lemieux was there, and I don't know, you know, I, I'm not going to kill anybody for this. I just thought that, the Kings were able to maintain control of the puck for a little bit too long here. Would have been nice to see the Rangers, you know, kind of get down and dirty and just knock the puck away. They weren't able to do that. More scores from in deep, so it's 2-1. to one. And the Rangers, after giving up this goal, they were really back on their heels a little bit here. And, uh, you know, just clinging to the one-goal lead at this point. And uh, the pace kind of picks up a little bit because, yeah, the Kings, they like to play these low-scoring games. But bottom line, they're chasing a goal with, you know, six, seven, eight minutes left here. So they're, they're trying to get the equalizer. But the Rangers strike back. They reestablish their two-goal lead. Ryan Strome gains control of the puck in the neutral zone. He zips in on the right wing. He takes a shot. Jonathan Quick makes a pad save, but the rebound goes right to Artemi Panarin. Panarin's got a wide open net, and he's not gonna miss. And he makes it three to one. So awesome to see Strome and Panarin link up again. You know, as we said, they've been in a little bit of a slump. Uh, Panarin, you know, no goals in his last four games before tonight. So it's 3-1 to one with about three minutes or so remaining, and the Kings pull Jonathan Quick with about 2.40 to go. They're trailing by two goals, so it's desperation time. But Tony D'Angelo gets control of the puck in the Rangers zone, and he does not hesitate. He takes a shot all the way down the ice. It goes dead center right into the empty net. 4-1 to one Rangers with 2.12 remaining, and he steals the victory with that one. So, again, you know, the Rangers, it wasn't perfect. There were times where I thought they let the Kings kind of dictate the way this game was going to be played to them. And again, they went out and they won a game that they're not really used to playing. This kind of grinded out, low-scoring affair. I mean, they ended up with four goals, but two of them coming in the last three minutes. So nice to see the Rangers pull this one out here, a win that they absolutely needed to have. And they are going to be back in action on... Tuesday in Winnipeg against the Jets at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This is the start of a three-game road trip that will continue on Thursday at the Minnesota Wild, also at 8 p.m., and then at the Columbus Blue Jackets on Friday at 7 p.m. So another busy week for the Rangers here and about to embark on a three-game road trip. And one other thing that I wanted to talk about before we wrap up today is obviously I've been talking about Shesterkin on and off through the whole episode because he was excellent against the Kings last night, just turned in a great, performance and was the number one star of the game and the number one reason why the Rangers came away with two points. But I have to make my case right now. It is time to go with Igor Shesterkin going forward. And this is something that I've talked about on previous episodes, but I think now it's more apparent than it has ever been because Shesterkin is five and one in his career as a Ranger. He has played well in all six games. And you look at Henrik Lundqvist and Alex Georgiev, and I like both guys and they've both played well at times this season, but facts are facts. Both of them have a goals against average north of three. In fact, their their stats are eerily similar. So, Georgiev has a 312 goals against average, a 908 save percentage, and then Lundqvist has a 313 goals against average and a 907 save percentage. Lundqvist is 10, 11, and three. Georgiev is 12, 11, and one. And so, yeah, I mean, I just think at this point, the choice is obvious. And if you're not totally sure, if you're the Rangers and you're not totally sure which goalie should be getting the bulk of playing time going forward, then ask yourself this question which goalie do you think your opponent least wants to see in net when they're playing against you? And I think right now, if players on other teams are being honest, and again, nobody's just going to come out and say this, oh, we'd rather play this goalie or that goalie. But if you sat down with a, you know, a player on another team that's about to play the Rangers and you ask him you know, off the record, which goalie do you want to see tonight? There's no way he's going to say Shesterkin because Shesterkin, again, he's played some great hockey. He's establishing himself as the Goalie of the future here, and you know Lundqvist and Kiyogiev—they don't have the best stats, and I realize it's not all on them because the Rangers, let's be honest, they're not the best defensive team in hockey. But when you look at the entire bulk of work this season that all three goalies have put in, Shosturkin's been the best. And again, it's just six games, but on the other hand, it's six games now. You know we are starting to kind of build up. Shosturkin is starting to kind of build up his resume a little bit here, so. I think he's the guy moving forward, and the other interesting thing about Shesterkin is all six of his starts have come in Madison Square Garden, and I'm sure when they called Shesterkin up, they wanted to have him make his first start at Madison Square Garden, maybe even his first two starts, maybe even his first three starts. I can't believe that they wanted to do this, or that they planned to do this, that yes, Igor Shesterkin's first six starts are going to be at home in Madison Square Garden. I think it just kind of worked out that way, and... You know, it's great to start him at home in the garden. I think it's great to have several thousand people behind you rather than against you when you're making your NHL debut. But at this point, you know, the Rangers have this three-game road trip coming up. It's time to turn the kid loose. And I I think the Rangers need their heads checked if they sit Shesterkin down for all three of these upcoming three games. And the Rangers have not announced who's going to be in net for the next game against the Jets here. Of course, that game, again, happening on Tuesday at 8 p.m. But it's got to be Shesterkin at some point. You know, at some point, you just got to let the kid you got to just take the training wheels off and just roll forward with your goalie of the future and the guy who gives you the best chance to win right here, right now, in the present. And at some point, Shusterkin, believe it or not, at some point in the NHL, he is going to have a bad game, okay? Because there is not a goalie on this planet that is above having a bad performance every once in a while. But when this happens, like, say Shusterkin, I don't want to jinx him or anything, but let's say he goes out, he has a rough night against the Jets, let's say he gives up like four goals or something like that, okay? Just hypothetically speaking. If you're the Rangers, are you then going to sit him down for the next three, four, five, six games and have him watch most of them from the press box? I mean, I want to, if he has a bad game, I want to throw him right back out there and say, hey, it's fine. We still believe in you. You're still the man around here. Go ahead and bounce back with a strong performance in your next game. I want to see how Shusterkin is going to respond the first time he has a bad game. How, how is he going to perform the, the next game after that? How is he going to bounce back? That's what I'm interested in seeing. And, In general, I I just think it's got to be Shesterkin. This is not a guy who's used to sitting on the bench no matter where he's been. And again, this three-goalie experiment, I think the Rangers have handled it about as well as possible. I think all three goalies should be commended for how they've handled it because no one has kind of spoken out against it. They've kind of just rolled with the punches, and when their number is called, they go out there and they perform to the best of their abilities. But I will say, you know, after the last game against Buffalo, the Rangers, of course, lost that game 3-2, to and Alex Georgiev played in, net in that one. And he was a little bit down. He didn't feel like he should have allowed those three goals to go in. And so, you know, he mentioned that, you know, he was disappointed in himself. And he also said, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, but he basically said it's going to be rough, you know, going back to watching in street clothes and not, not being in the locker room. And, you know, he didn't bash the coaching staff, or the organization, or anything like that. He didn't demand more playing time. He didn't say something like, I'm the man around here, and these other guys should be backing me up. It was nothing like that. He was just being honest, and I I totally get it, you know, because if you're on this team, and you're in Alex Georgiev's shoes, you know, you play one bad game, and it could be a long time before you're back out there. It could be a long time before you're even dressed again to play hockey, because, One of these guys has got to be the healthy scratch on it on any given night, and it's never going to be Lundqvist. If Lundqvist isn't starting, he's going to be the backup. You wouldn't do that to Lundqvist. You wouldn't make him the healthy scratch. And so for Georgiev, you know, it's an unfortunate situation because if you're a goalie in this league, even if you're not starting in net that night, you still want to be in the locker room with your teammates. You still want to, you know, make small talk with your teammates. You still want to... You know, if you're Georgiev, if you still want to go through the machinations of putting on your goalie pads and, and sitting on the bench and having a great view of the game and talking to your teammates during the game, you know, maybe if you s- notice something out there on the ice, you could share some advice with them. But unfortunately, the Rangers are in a situation right now. They have three goalies, and somebody's going to be the odd man out every single night as far as dressing, and it's not going to be Lundqvist. So georgiev he's in a tough spot. He deserves better than this. Shesterkin deserves better than this as well. They are not goalies who should be healthy scratches. But right now, that's just the situation the Rangers find themselves in. And I think it's starting to become pretty apparent they can't do this for the next year and a half. They can't do this for the rest of this season and then for all of next season, have this three-goalie rotation. So somebody's got to go. And again, I still remain skeptical that Lundqvist would waive his no-move clause. And so I think by process of elimination, Georgiev's probably the odd man out. And we'll see what the Rangers can get for him. And I know there's a lot of Ranger fans, myself included, that would like to see Lundqvist traded to a good team so that he has a chance to win a Stanley Cup somewhere else. But one thing that I think we all need to keep in mind, if Lundqvist is traded, let's say he waves his no-move clause, and let's say he goes to Colorado, okay, great, he's got a chance to win a Cup, awesome. That does not necessarily mean that Alex Georgiev is going to be here next season, because regardless of what the Rangers do with Lundqvist, Georgiev is still a restricted free agent at the end of the season, and I think he's a goner either way, because the Rangers don't pay their backup goalies. I mean, do we remember Cam Talba and Antti Ranta? Both of those guys were shipped away, and both of them, frankly, were better on the Rangers than Alex Georgiev has been. So I don't see the Rangers pulling out the checkbook in the offseason and giving Georgiev a big-money offer. Again, he's a restricted free agent, but I don't think they're just going to match whatever offer that Georgiev gets from other teams. So even if the Rangers do trade Lundqvist, it is entirely possible that Georgiev's not back next season either. And so... With all that in mind and again keeping in mind that I do not believe that Henrik Lundqvist is going to waive his no-move clause, I think it's very very likely that Alex Georgiev gets traded because you just can't keep going like this. You can't keep going with this three goalie rotation and at some point you got to just throw Igor Shesterkin out there. He's the goalie of the future and he's also the goalie who gives you the best chance to win right now in the presence. And if the Rangers are going to have Any hopes whatsoever of getting back into this playoff chase, then I think Shusterkin gives them the best chance to do that. And the Rangers, as it stands right now, I believe they're now nine points out of the playoffs. And you got to shake things up a little bit. you got to do something drastic. And the most drastic thing you can do is a shakeup at the goalie position. And Shusterkin, to me, he's got to be getting at least two-thirds of the starts going forward. And that's a bare minimum. I mean, because even if the Rangers, it doesn't work out and they don't make the playoffs, he will be getting invaluable NHL experience this season. And he'll be ready to go next season. And he'll have all these games under his belt. And he'll be ready to be the man, be the Rangers starting goalie beginning next season and beyond. So keep Shesterkin in the lineup. I mean, I I don't know how else to say it. I think against the Jets, he should be out there. He should make his road NHL debut. So in a perfect world, I would like to see Shesterkin play again on Tuesday, give him his road debut against the Jets, and then let him play one of the two games on Thursday or Friday, either at the Wild or at the Blue Jackets. He doesn't need to play both those games. You know, it's back-to-back, and again, there are two other goalies. So I would say give me Shesterkin on Tuesday at the Jets, maybe throw Lundqvist back out there on Thursday against the Wild. We got to get him a game and then put Shesterkin once again back out there at the Blue Jackets the game after that. But if the Rangers go through this three-game road trip and Igor Shesterkin is not out there for any of these games, then I just don't even know what they're doing, and I think they need to get their heads checked. But with all that said, that's going to do it for today, guys. Thanks again for tuning in. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, send an email to lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Again, that is lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. I will see you next time.